0: Space is the final frontier, Rick. It's a great pleasure to be here with you today, here on SAGE. Rick is one of the top uh, influential, top 100, if I'm not mistaken, influential uh, people in space, while he is also one of uh, the top space visionaries. Uh, You've got an impressive uh, CV, uh, Rick. Uh, You helped coin the term new space that the previous uh, speakers referred to. Uh, You also are uh, credited with helping the creation of the new uh, commercial space industry, uh, later highlighted by Elon Musk, uh, Jeff Bezos, and Richard Branson. But what I envy you more about is your personal friendship with Arthur Clarke, my favorite uh, science fiction uh, writer, and also for the fact that you got to meet Isaac Asimov and Ray Bradbury, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, uh, it seems that uh, humanity will uh, make uh, a huge leap forward uh, if the Starship uh, project of reusable uh, rockets uh, finally succeeds. Though its, its uh, recent uh, test launch uh, was uh, characterized as a roller coaster. Uh, by CNN, <laughs> I believe that many things are happening there, so i 'm uh, looking forward to hearing your presentation, but also speak about what is the prospect for Greece.
1: I look forward to that. Um, so what I'm going to do is um, take you on a little bit of a ride. things are going to go pretty fast um, and um, trying to cram 40 minutes into 15. We're actually three hours into 15, but you know, it's, it's that kind of thing. So look, here, here's the thing. Um, I do have a company, spacefund.com. We're doing very well. We invest in startups. Um, we're gonna we had a raise our third fund. Um, I have a conference, and no, it's not just for bald guys. Uh, but we had this guy. He's got a little book company uh, Amazon. Uh, we had him there a few years ago uh, down in Austin, Texas uh, You're welcome to come uh, There are posters over there by the way at the end of the session feel free to grab those um, Now here's the thing I have waited for many many years to be able to say that I'm going to talk about shit at a conference I'm saying it in front of you now What do I mean? Well? Again, this is, this is hilarious to me. We're at a conference that is about paradigm shifts. I'm in one of the smallest rooms, on the edge of the conference, very lightly attended, but thank you for being here. Um, when we consider what we're doing in space to be the biggest paradigm shift of all time since life crawled out of the ocean onto the beach. So check back with me in about 10 years and see how I'm doing on that. Uh, but, but here's what's interesting. Um, New York City, 1894, there were so many horses, 100,000 horses in New York City, that they had manure building up on the streets. They had dead horses everywhere. They didn't know what to do with them. It took five acres to grow the food for each horse. So they had an agricultural problem. Same thing in Paris, same thing in London. Nobody knew what to do about it. So they held a conference, maybe one of the first ESG-type conferences ever on the Earth to try and figure it out. The conference failed. They couldn't figure out what to do about it. So you'll see there's some little machine in the middle here, but in uh, 1900. So they couldn't figure out what to do about the horses. 1913, spot the horse. It came at them from the side. It was a technological shift that nobody at the time was predicting. They were not paying attention. They were doing a linear extrapolation of where they were into the future, and they didn't catch this thing called the automobile coming up on the side, which would solve the problem. So I was there uh, last week at SpaceX. You can turn up the volume. It was loud. It was also a success. I actually have another video where I'm showing all the young engineers. They're all jumping up and down and screaming. These are the people that built the booster. Most of them are under 30, by the way. They were totally psyched, totally happy. I went to the party uh, afterwards, uh, and as you can see, he's got a few more. I think there were eight of them that we were able to count in different hangars and uh, high bays, as they're called, being built. It was a heck of a party. Now look, it's not about these guys. It really isn't. It's not about them. It's about her. It's also about this great little species, these apes that don't know what they're doing. You know, we're still apes. We're still running around, we still act like apes. Uh, We have rockets, we have computers, now we have AI. We're still basically monkeys. Um, And it's about her, I love this picture. Because to me it represents the high and the low of humanity in one shot. Look at the eyes of that child that is just, that's so beautiful to me. And it's, it is about her, about these kids. And this is what we've given them, speaking of the S word. Hey, you know, we took the planet over, we built an industrial society, we basically almost killed it, uh, here you go, it's all yours. Now this happened earlier too, there was a period of time where I was growing up. Um, and, you know, there was a race between the Soviets and the Americans to the moon. Um, at the end of it, all we had was what I call flags and footprints. They got there, the Americans, and they took the most expensive selfie ever. You know, it was Buzz and Neil going, hey, yay, we beat you guys. Our system's better. Boom. Done. Canceled. Project was over. The problem was there was a generation of us watching TV, looking at it, being excited about it. And we started seeing all these different images on our screen, using our remote control. In my case, it was my little brother. And we're seeing this thing, first of all, the environmental movement, the shot of Apollo 8 from the Earth, of the Earth, from the moon. People driving around in cars. At the same time, we're being threatened with nuclear war. Kids today dive under desks because of a a shooter. We were diving under desks because we thought there'd be a nuclear war. And of course, there's Captain Kirk. Now, if you're a kid and you're watching this happen, and you're watching Star Trek, it melds in your brain. You're thinking, you know what? I'm going to go make that happen. And an entire generation of us grew up doing that. I was very lucky to be involved in these projects. We took over the Russian space station at one point uh, for one... About nine months, there's a beautiful documentary called Orphans of Apollo that sells the story. I actually flew a pirate flag on the mirror, It's kind of cool. Um, And then when we lost it, I had to help move Dennis Tito, who I'd signed up to be the first private citizen astronaut, we moved him to the International Space Station. We did coin the term New Space because we wanted to figure, we wanted to give a a label to this thing that was happening. You know, old space was, was dying. Uh, when these first two reusable boosters, I don't know if you guys saw this, but this was with SpaceX, that was the beginning. Reusability, I'll come back to that in a minute. Now, for those of you who have an iPhone or an Android in your pocket, that is an application development platform. It was basically funded by the government. If you're throwing the internet in there with it, let's say. That was something, a technology that a lot of money went into, and then it was handed to the people. Handed to you, handed to your friends and amazing things happened. All right, now you can go on there and ask any question. Your mother sends you pictures of cats doing bizarre things. But in the meantime, a global brain, we've tapped into the universe of communications. This is the application development platform for the entire human race as our interface with the universe. A friend of mine used to run the space station. It takes 2.75 people to keep that thing running. There's usually between three and seven people on there. That means between a quarter of one person and three and a quarter people are able to give their entire time to speculating about how to use space and the universe to improve human life. That's it. That's it for the entire human race. So what do we do when we can get these? how, How do we get these kids up there? How do we get these minds out there? One of the things that locks us in down here is it's not gravity, it's not radiation, it's not vacuum, it's psychology. It's purely psychology. It's the way we think about it. This is the myth. Only big governments can play in space. But the new space reality is we've got all of these great little companies starting. There are 135 launch companies basically in the US right now. In fact, our joke is, what time is it? Oh, 136. I mean, they're just happening. Now, there's only going to probably be room for 10 of them at the end of the day. This is a tug. This is basically Uber in space, right? You get delivered out there on a SpaceX and you go get taken where you need to go. Now, here's the interesting part of this. As I said, it's all psychology. Government rocket basically designed to keep politicians happy, to keep constituents happy, to keep lobbyists happy, to keep money flowing, to keep jobs safe, Boeing, Lockheed Martin, aerospace industry. ESA has the same things going on. Um, and two to four billion dollars per flight, and they throw it away. This is critical. They throw it away. Starship, two to 10 million per flight. Hell, you, you can double that. You could quadruple it if you want to be conservative. Why is it so much cheaper? Because this fellow wants to go to Mars. That's it, he's got a destination, he's got a goal. In other words, his goal is to make it as cheap as possible for as many people as possible to go out into space, that's it. It's all psychology, there's no magic to it. And by the way, I don't necessarily have the same politics as Elon, I actually gave him a hard time on Twitter a while back, whole different story, you can look it up. But look, when this thing lands, not when it flies, When it lands, the world will change forever. This, whether he does it, whether Jeff does it, Jeff Bezos does it, whether somebody else does it, is the transformation of all time. This is the railroad. This is the airplane. This is the steamship. This is fins turning into lobes so you can crawl up on the land. This is us entering the universe. If you're a Star Trek fan, this is when the Vulcans show up and say, welcome to the Federation. We are going to democratize space, but we have to break out of the psychological cage. So, Greece. So I've run into some of these questions. I I literally handed a change right before I walked up here. These are some of the questions I've run into. Well, we're not a space country. Well, we're all space countries. We're all equally distant to space. So the United States is 100 kilometers from space. Russia's 100 kilometers from space. China's 100 kilometers from space. Greece, Delphi, is 100 kilometers from space. Maybe a little higher, because we're up on a mountain. That's it. We're all in space. We're that close to it. It's that easy to get to once you try. Oh, we have nowhere to fly from. Good argument if you're going with traditional rockets, you drop parts, people over Europe might get a little upset with you. Well, do you have a runway? Because there are companies working on vehicles that fly from runways and land on runways. Do you have a place to land or take off? If Starship, again, when Starship is successful, he's going to do location to location. So you might have something in Athens off of the coast of Greece where they could land. And then you go to the US or Singapore, 30, 40 minutes. What about buying a ride? Axiom, which is one of the companies we've invested in, is building a private space station. They're flying people, Israel, Canada, UAE, just flying national astronauts. The countries are paying for them. Or if you can't do that, there are five space stations that are funded at more than $200 million. That kind of makes them a little bit real. Probably two or three of them will fail. So we've got two or three space stations that are going to be up there. They've got a lot of space to fill, all puns intended. Labs, hotels, whatever. You can get up there and you can fly your experiments. We have no money. This one just cracks me up. There's always people in countries that have money. That's a harbor, you guys might know that one. Yeah, you've got money. It's just not going to you know exactly the right place, let's say. How, how about investing it somewhat differently? How about investigating them? How about giving them a a future that's exciting, something they can live into, something they can dream about? And why not? Why not? Really, why not? There's no reason. It's all psychology, it's all, we can't. Oh, we're not a space country. Oh, we can't go to the moon, we're Greece. I'm sorry, but you can. I was having a conversation with somebody earlier today. The first country that I know of that built settlements outside of itself all around the Mediterranean. I mean, you guys were colonial powers way before we got into it, way before. Why not space? Let's give them a new paradigm. Let's give them a paradigm shift. Let's make something possible so that the children have something to dream about. Let's break out of this psychological cage. Let's have a new conversation. I have a lot more, but I know you have a couple of questions. So I'm gonna stop there, because I could go all day, but... Yes.
0: Actually, i got uh, a dozen of questions, but uh, there's not enough time to ask them I it. know. <laughs> so um, to I, will, I will stick uh, in two of, uh, of my questions I consider important. Um, the first one is how can things happening up there alleviate uh, the climate and energy crisis down here? And the second one is, what would you say to Greek uh, people, young Greek people, just starting out uh, in the space that would like to to be involved in all these you just described? Okay, two
1: questions. So the climate crisis, right? Um, There's many different things that we can do in space. Again, we don't know what we can do until we get there. The things that those kids are going to come up with who go, we're not going to have any idea. You know, when they were cruising up and down the coast of North America, they were like, oh, there's some trees. You know, because they had denuded. They had cut down all the trees in England at the time. And the pilgrims was like, oh, we could do some trees, you know, send some mass back, things like that. They had no idea they were going to, like, discover by Microsoft or Google or whatever, you know. Um, so there's all kinds of things. Now, space solar power is possible. There are several countries looking into that, several companies looking into that. The sun shines 24 hours in space. You can capture it and beam the light down or beam the energy down, electricity. Um, one far-fetched idea I love Um, And I call that earth shades and the idea if we are not going to meet the uh, Expectations of uh, minimizing climate change We can actually put some small objects between us and the Sun now there are people who talk about geoengineering Which is you know you throw some stuff talcum powder in the clouds and stuff like that Problem with those kind of things is you can't control them right once you do that. They're they're out. They're gone I mean and you can end up with some pretty disastrous things going on in space you could actually float some things in, 2% is all you would need to reduce to to keep us where we are now, to give us chain, uh, time to change to carbon neutral or carbon uh, negative. And um, you could do that, Just you could use uh, mylar, you know, uh, thin films, I, my favorite is asteroids, you could move some asteroids in there, move them back out. But it's like shades, if you, if you get too much, take it out, put it back, it's very simple. It's not like you are putting something into the atmosphere that is gonna you know, get out would of control. that be
0: financially viable? Pardon? Would that be financially viable? Earth's
1: yeah, uh, actually it would be the most expensive project undertaken by humanity, but it's the combined price for the US of the war in Afghanistan and Iraq. So, I mean, if we can kill people for that price, maybe we could save a few, you know? What <laughs> the heck, right? Save the planet? Um, so that's one of them. Now, back to the, the kids, because that's my big one, right? And you know, I spoke to a bunch of kids a couple of weeks ago in Texas, and I looked at them and I said, you know what, you're nerds, you're geeks. I'm a nerd, I'm a geek. You know what, in 10 years, those people that are teasing you and calling you nerd and geek, they're gonna call you boss. Because there are some very, very brilliant kids out there in the world. They just need hope. They just need to be given a path. So a, a nation like Greece, you could start doing um, incubators. Right, you could take some of your senior, by the way, space business, earth business, it's the same. There's no magic. A good business plan is a good business plan. So do it in space. So take these kids and get them started. Don't tell them we are not a space country, you're Greek, Well, can't do it. That's ridiculous, that's absurd. That's like passing on a disease, right? Let's open them up and pass on a dream instead. It's all possible.
0: Well, this is um, a very strong message. I, I just hope that many kids uh, will listen to that uh, because it's uh, quite important. We, we shouldn't cut their wings, okay? Yeah. <laughs> so, Rick, I would like to thank you very much uh, for being with us uh, today, for your interesting uh, presentation, and uh, for all the hope you give to all these young people that would like to get involved in space, though they are Greeks.
1: Thank you. Maybe next year we'll be in a bigger room. I'm <laughs> thank you guys for coming thank you